welcome to Kevin's Podcast Show. I am your host, Kevin Marshall. Thank you once again for joining me. I appreciate all the dozens and dozens of the KPS faithful out there. I know that this podcast is growing, and I really appreciate the audience. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the Democratic debate in News versus News. I think we're going to go with the old normal battle guys. We're going to talk about Fox News and CNN, and we're going to have a little weird Tennessee, and I believe the unknown redneck's going to drop by and give us a little update on what's going on in his world, and uh, we may have a, a new segment toward the end. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Thanks for joining me. Welcome to Kevin's Podcast Show. and gentlemen and welcome to the spectacular KPS Arena. The World News Boxing Association is proud to present three rounds of heavyweight action in this corner. Wearing red trunks with black trim. C N N. And in the opposite corner, wearing blue and white trunks with red trim. Fox News Network. Let's get ready to rumble. So the Democrats had a debate. 20 out of 22 of the Democratic candidates for president in 2020 debated. Now, I'm just going to say there was a lot of uh, back and forth. And, of course, the front runner is the presidential sniff himself. Joe Biden, and uh, Biden is, of course, the front runner. And of course, anytime you're the front runner, you're going to get attacked by your other people because they're trying to try to get over the top of you and that sort of thing. And there was a lot of hated debate going on. And I'm just going to tell you right now, it was pretty doggone entertaining. I lasted, I think, 14 seconds before I turned the channel, but I did read a lot about it. So we're going to talk about it. Here's a little clip from the uh the debate the other night uh i think it kind of sums up the whole thing so here you go So as you can tell from that clip right there, they were, you know, they were going at each other's throats pretty hard, and uh, it 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 was pretty, uh, you know, they were insulting one another and hurting each other's feelings. So I mean, you know, hey, it's going to be a long, hard debate, long, hard uh, road to 2020. I'm just telling you right now, whoever gets in there is going to have to endure a lot more than that with President Trump. But anyway, this is a little update from. Um, Fox News, and Fox News pretty much did declare that uh, Kamala Harris has really come forward. She's the one that really shined during the debate. She's the one everybody's talking about. They're talking about Kamala Harris. And like I've called her before, she's the little hee-hee-hee schoolgirl. And, you know, when she gets backed into a corner, she tends to giggle and laugh and go on like that. But I will say during this debate, she did... Uh, show some of her lawyering skills whenever she was giving uh, Biden down the road. Of course, Biden was busy <sighs> sniffing somebody's hair, and he didn't really understand what was going on. He is 150. He's in his early hundreds. He should do okay. Okay, so here's what Fox News had to say about uh, the debate 
in the aftermath of the whole thing. Uh, Harris capitalizes on breakout debate performances. Biden defends record on race. Now, see what happened is, is that Joe Biden, and I, I've not read this article. We're going to read it uh, cold. But Joe Biden uh, said a couple of things that, of course, they're trying to take him to task over and say that, it, look, I'm not a Joe Biden fan. He he's a, seems to be a hell of a nice guy. Every time that I see some sort of a uh, uh, personal thing about him, the Democrats and the Republicans and everybody seems to think that he's like he's the guy that'll give you the shirt off his back. He seems to be a hell of a nice guy, and that's great. But for them to attack him over this part right here seems to me to be a little bit outrageous, in my opinion, because, you know, he was just trying to make a point here. But what he said was that he was talking about some people who were um, back in his early days of the Senate, and he was talking about how that they, uh, he had to work with people who he found their idea, idea, ideology distasteful. And he said that, you know, these people were, you know, not for civil rights and, and yada, yada. I don't remember exactly what it was, but the point that he was trying to make was that even though you disagree with people fundamentally, you can still get together and pass some legislation that both of you can be happy with. And that's the whole idea about Congress. And I think that's what he was trying to make a point of is that you can, you can reach out across the aisle, even though you disagree with people and, and, um, you know, show them you know show you know extend the olive branch so to speak but of course kamala had to jump on that and she had to have a big emotional breakdown which by the way emotional breakdowns are not what i want to find in a presidential candidate or president as far as that's concerned i want my president to be you know the kind of guy or gal who has a stiff upper lip and and uh uh puts the shoulders back and takes a deep breath, which I guess Biden would be good for that, and doesn't have emotional issues because emotion is what's got this country into the problem that we're in right now, in my opinion, because going back to some other things, whenever we get emotional, we start thinking about, oh, well, this person don't have food, or this person doesn't have a house to live in, or this person doesn't have child care, or this person doesn't have the education they need, or this person doesn't have health care, or this person doesn't have this, or this person doesn't have that, and I have these things, and we should give them to them. Because it's an emotional response. And emotion doesn't always belong in politics. Certainly not on a presidential debate stage. But... All that said, Kamala Harris came back with, I was the little girl who was part of the busing situation. I think that was the the senator that uh, Biden was referring to was talking about busing and and diversity and all that other stuff. Back in the 70s, they bust uh, uh, minority children into white neighborhoods and white schools so that they could have diversity and have equal opportunity. And the idea behind it was, you know, to spread diversity around, and that's great, but of course she got emotional. So let's see what it says. After a breakout performance on the debate stage watched by millions of Americans, Democratic presidential candidate Senator Kamala Harris is quickly moving to capitalize on the blockbuster moment when she grilled former Vice President Joe Biden about his opposition four decades ago to federally mandated busing. Four decades ago, his opposition, four decades ago, 40 years ago, most of the people who will be voting in the Democrat side of the equation will be younger than 40, would be my guess. The heated exchange between Democrat from the... Between the Democrat from California and Biden, the frontrunner right now in the race for the Democratic presidential nomination is forcing the former vice president's campaign to play defense, spotlighting that his decades-long record on civil rights was unassailable. In his first remarks since the debate, Biden defended his record, saying in Chicago, I heard and I listened to and I respect Senator Harris. But we all know that 30 to 60 seconds on campaign debate exchange can't do justice to a (sighs) 
lifetime commitment to civil rights. Biden made the comments at an event organized by the Reverend Jesse Jackson's Rainbow Push Coalition. Is Jesse Jackson still relevant in 2019? Anyway, speaking directly to Jackson, he said, I know you know I fought my heart out to ensure civil rights and voting rights and equal rights are enforced everywhere. Biden then insisted he never, 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 ever opposed voluntary busing. So there, take that, Kamala. On Friday, the Harris campaign highlighted a surge of one online fundraising in the wake of the debate. And while the showdown among 10 of the nearly two dozen Democratic presidential contenders contenders was still underway, Harris officials used the senator's campaign Twitter account to tweet out a photo of the candidate as a young girl with the words she had used minutes earlier. There was a little girl in California who was bused to school. That little girl. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That little girl was me. By the end of the night, the campaign started selling t-shirts emblazoned with the photo, because that's how we do things in this country now. The campaign's quick actions came after Harris challenged Biden over his civil rights record and comments he recently made highlighting his ability four decades ago to find common ground with the segregationist senators he disagreed with in order to pass legislation. Those comments quickly re-sparked a controversy that Biden had been dealing with for nearly two weeks. Harris told Biden that she didn't believe he was a, quote, racist, but that word will come out, you just wait and see, because that's how Democrats fight, that's how the left fights, that's how we have chosen to fight in this country is to just label people and then ride that pony until you can't ride it anymore. But... She considered his recent comments about being able to work with segregationist senators early in his career hurtful. Really? Really? Forty years ago, he had to work with a segregationist, and you're saying that's hurtful? Lord have mercy. Give me a break. Come on, Kamala. You worked with them to oppose busing. Harris then said, referring to his efforts to limit federal orders for school desegregation by busing. In an emotional moment, she then told her own story of being bussed as a little girl in California. The breakout moment could give a boost to Harris, who came out of the gate full steam ahead as she launched her campaign in January, but in recent months, she's been overshadowed by... The presidential sniff and other top tier rivals such as Senators Barry Sanders, Bernie Sanders, Barry. <laughs> That's a Freudian slip on my part, and I just told myself a little joke. Senators Bernie Sanders of Vermont and Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, and by the meteoric rise of South Bend, Indiana Mayor Peter Buttigieg, Gig, Buttigieg, Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg, Gig, Buttigieg. Buddha jig. Buddha. I hope he don't get president. I'm just not going to be able to say his name. Google noted that Harris was the top trending topic across the country following her dis- dissection, ooh, dissection of Biden. The campaign touted that it saw a surge in its online grassroots fundraising in the hours after the debate. They told Fox News that Thursday that their second best fundraising day of the campaign, trailing only the $1.5 million raised online in the 24 hours after the Senate senator declared her candidacy. The timing of the extra infusion of contributions is fortuitous, as all eyes will be on the fundraising reports of the campaigns and will start revealing about after the second quarter of fundraising comes to a close on Sunday. Ask about the debate what her follow-up act would be, Harris told Fox News' Peter Doocy. Doocy. I know it's Doocy. I just like saying Doocy. Prosecute the case against Donald Trump. That's what her follow-up act would be. Prosecute the case against Donald Trump. There is no case against Donald Trump. Oh, my gosh. Come on. We've had Mueller report. We've had Mueller, 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 Mueller. Muller. We've had Muller until there is no Muller. Come on, people. There was no collusion. 
and without collusion, there can't be obstruction. Get over it. He's the president. Chill out. The former California Attorney General and San Francisco District Attorney went into the debate hoping to make a case to the national audience that, thanks to her prosecutorial skills, she would be the best Democratic contender to go toe-to-toe with the Republican President Donald Trump. Well, see, Donald Trump's not a lawyer, so your rules of decorum are out the window. I think that wouldn't help you any, but Biden's campaign quickly defended its candidate. If you want to put Vice President Biden's record on civil rights up against anybody else's on the stage, he'll stand the test of time, said senior advisor Simone Sanders right after the debate. Biden who is cherished by many Democrats for his tireless efforts to help fellow party members on the campaign trail, his eight years as former President Barack Obama's right-hand man, and his history of overcoming devastating personal tragedies, because his son died, appeared shocked when questioned by Harris. And I think we have a clip of that, too. And I think you can tell from that clip that it's obvious that he was quite upset over this. But anyway, he uh, he said that uh, he was shocked. His top aides characterized the contentious moment as a, quote, low blow. But Harris defended her verbal takedown of the former vice president, emphasizing, I have a great deal of respect for Joe the Sniff Biden. I think Joe the Sniff Biden has lived and worked a very long career of dedicated public service, and there is a lot of work that Joe the Sniff Biden has done that I applaud, but this is one issue on which we disagree. While it was far from a good night for the frontrunner, there's a long history of presidential candidates bouncing back from poor debate from poor debate performances and this was just the first round in a long series of debates over the next seven months leading up to the kickoff of the primary and caucus calendar next year we're still seven months away from the caucuses folks seven months we're still over a half a year away from even voting in a primary or caucusing let that sink in for just a second and we're already having freaking debates (sighs) I think people are going to grow weary of all this stuff, and that's going to be great because nobody's going to really get the popcorn down and get a bottle of wine and sit around and watch the debates till it's Trump versus whoever. That's when the shit's going to get real, and that's when it's going to be really cool because I think whoever they get this time is going to be a little more prepared than uh, Hillary Clinton, but that said, I think Trump's going to be more prepared too, and a little more mean, which I think is going to be funny. Uh, Former Democratic National Committee Chair and Fox News contributor Donna Brazil, speaking of Hillary, Clinton, pointed on Fox and Friends Friday saying a very, very long primary season where we're going to have debates each and every month until we choose our nominee. It's going to get heated and you better put on your sunscreen because it's going to get hot. Oh, my, 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 isn't she witty? <sighs> okay, let's, uh, let's sneak on over to CNN and see what they have to say. The gloves are off, my friends. The gloves are off. Democratic debate clashes unleash new rivals as the 2020 primary bursts wide open, says CNN. The gloves are off and a new chapter in the long race for the Democratic presidential nomination is on. Over a power, a pair of two-hour debates in Miami this week, 20 of the 20, 24? I thought there was just 22. 
My mistake. How could I have gotten confused? There's 24 folks, 24 candidates vying on the president or on the Democrat side. 20 of the 24 candidates vying for a chance to challenge President Donald Trump next year faced off for the first time in a contentious fight to set the terms of the contest that even after months of campaigning had yet to grab hold of the millions and millions of voters who will decide its winner. The crowded debate stages, which hosted 10 candidates each night, offered the candidates a chance to define themselves and label their rivals. In the process, they elevated issues of race, questions of public policy, and in a five-minute exchange that could echo deep into the primary season, saw the early frontrunner and former Vice President Joe Biden knocked back on his heels by the searing attack from Senator Kamala <laughs> Harris of California. Harris, a former prosecutor, used the skills she honed in the courtroom to question Biden's record on civil rights, in particular his opposition to federally mandated busing for school desegregation, a charge the former vice president appeared unprepared for and, in moments, angered that he was being called on to defend. The back and forth ended with Biden determined to escape Harris's crosshairs, cutting himself off and declaring, my time is up. I'm just going to say right now, in Biden's defense, I'm going to say this, everything, and I said this once before already in the podcast, but everything that I've ever heard about this guy is he's a good guy. I've never heard anybody say that he's a shithead, that he's an asshole, that he's ever did anything that's really bad to anybody. And for them to say that 40 years ago in the 1970s, when he had no choice but to work with senators that he was less than happy with working with, to bring that up now, well, that's emotional bullshit. And emotional bullshit is what Kamala Harris is trying to run on. As his aides and surrogates scrambled in the aftermath to recast the confrontation and Biden defended his record Friday in Chicago, his perceived status as the most electable Democrat in the field suddenly felt flimsy and the race more wide open than ever before. The debates turned the page on the first chapter of the primary, which has already seen most of the two dozen candidates cycle through both early voting states and less familiar stumping grounds as they try to carve out a connection with a diverse Democratic base. It is diverse. I mean, I know Democrats that are around here in the South, yellow dog Democrats, they vote Democrat, they don't matter what it is, but how do they reconcile these good old church-going Baptist Democrats that are out there with LBGTQ, transgender, uh, welfare for all, uh, health care for all, the stuff that the party is going toward. That's why the Democrats are losing, folks. They're losing because there's a small group of people, and when I say small, I'm going to say there's a core group, probably 25 to 30 percent of this country, who believe in all of these things, that they really strongly believe in abortion rights, they strongly believe in, uh, you know, health care for everybody, pretty much a socialist kind of thing. There's a 25 to 30 percent. That's my guesstimation. It's not science. Don't hold me to it. But it's just my feeling that there's about a third of the country who is that way. Then there's a third of the country who's like, screw it, none of that stuff. But, you that, you know, that's 60%, but that 40% margin that's in the middle, that's the part that you have to run with if you're going to get elected president. So, um, let's see. For the candidates seemingly moored to the lower tiers of early polling results, the large New audiences also presented an opportunity to introduce themselves and their ideas while launching tactical raids on some of the better-known contestants. I don't like how they put that in there. They use the word contestants instead of candidates right there, and uh, that makes it sound more like a game show which I guess it's devolving into. Their tussles further expose divisions within the party which have been litigated with increasing fervor since Trump's election in November of 2016 as a new generation of more progressive lawmakers and activists seek to either push the establishment left or out of the picture entirely. Senators Bernie Sanders of Vermont and Elizabeth 
Warren of Massachusetts, champions of the growing movement, were separated from a head-to-head clash by the chance of random draws. Debating on the first night, Warren aggressively made the case for, quote, the big structural change she had promised throughout her nearly seven months on the stump. She also took the opportunity during a standout moment to close the gap with Sanders on his signature issue, Medicare for All, by clearly stating her willingness to eliminate the private insurance industry. That's a mistake, by the way. Private health insurance, in my opinion, needs to be... um, There needs to be more competition, because whether you know this or not, if you live in a state, you have only so many insurance companies from which to choose. And that's it. And you're not, these insurance companies are not allowed to provide insurance across state lines. So if I live in Tennessee, I can't get the same kind of coverage that you can get in Kentucky or Virginia or Mississippi or Missouri. You see? So that's a problem. Anyway, Sanders drifted in and out of Thursday's debate, debate, even as his ideas dominated large stretches of contentious and sprawling conversation. His campaign made more noise in the aftermath when health care and what it means to support Medicare for all became a post-debate point of contention. Harris, who raised her hand in the affirmative when the candidates were asked if they would abolish private insurance, said later, She had misheard the question and still believed there was a role to play for the industry. Yeah, her handler said, What the hell are you doing? Put your hand down. Shit. Let's all be very clear about this, Sanders said in a statement Friday without naming names. If you support Medicare for all, you have to be willing to end the greed of the health insurance and pharmaceutical industries. See, that's the fundamental problem with Bernie right there. It's the end the greed of the health insurance and pharmaceutical industries. Every company that I know of that's in existence has greed because that's the reason they're in business. They all want to make more money. Now, you can have a debate about what they should be able to make on the backs of people being unhealthy or the backs of people who have uh, medical problems and that sort of thing, but you can't tell me that they need to be drummed out of business. That doesn't make sense. Before the latest flare-up took over a slice of the post-debate news cycles, Obama Administration Housing and Urban Development Secretary uh, Julian Castro, yes, he is a candidate, Julian Castro, Urban Development, Housing and Urban Development Secretary, HUD Secretary, the HUD Secretary under Obama. Yeah, I've never heard of him either. That could lift his candidacy, and if he has his way further undermine that of his fellow Texan, Former Representative Beto, I'm Spanish, really, guys, O'Rourke. Castro pointedly challenged O'Rourke on immigration. It sounds to me like you had Castro versus O'Rourke, you had uh, Biden versus Harris, and you had uh, Bernie Sanders versus uh, Elizabeth Warren. That's how that all broke down. But anyway, Castro pointedly challenged O'Rourke on immigration, escalating a simmering rivalry that came to a head when the former HUD leader, in the course of a broad exchange over border policy and decriminalizing undocumented crossing, questioned O'Rourke's competence and admonished him to, quote, do your homework on this issue. (laughs) Immigration was top of mind for Democrats in Miami, in part because of the presence of a detention center for unaccompanied migrant children about an hour south in Homestead. Most of the candidates visited the makeshift protesting encampment outside the fence perimeter, with a number of them climbing stepladders to look in and wave at the distance <laughs> to wave at th- in the distance at the children that were being detained. These were children who were being marched like little soldiers, like Little prisoners from one place to another. (laughs) Little soldiers, little prisoners, Warren said, who was the first to make the trip. This is not what we should be doing in this country, said Amy. Clawbacher, Clawbacher, Clawbacher. Look, look, some of these candidates has got to go because their names I just can't pronounce. And either you're going to have to start saying them a lot on television, I'm going to be able to say them or not. Senator Amy. Klobucker, 
Klobuchar. 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 I don't know. She's from Minnesota, so that should tell you everything right there. Minnesota, the same people who elected Jesse the Body Ventura as their governor, who elected Al, I am a comedian from Saturday Night Live Franken as their senator, who has since been disgraced and me tooed out of office. Minnesota. That's a weird little section of America up there. You Minnesotans are kind of weird. Minnesota. Okay, so she was there. Over the next 48 hours, the candidates seemed to arrive at the site in a constant rotation. Of course, because it's a, it's a way to get pictures taken with these poor little kids that are down here. That the, the Look what Trump has done to these poor kids. Yeah, look what their parents have done to them. Their parents brought them over the border, or somebody has brought them over the border, and that's illegal, and here we are with a mess. So we're going to have to do something about it. Back in Miami, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey used the first debate night to reintroduce himself to voters, talking at length about his roots and home in a majority-minority city. Majority-minority city. That sounds like an oxymoron. Hell, Cory Booker sounds like an oxymoron. Connecting the experience to his... uh, Positions on gun control and civil rights, he his performance paid off literally with an influx of 4,000 new online donors, donors making up 80% of his Thursday total. total. So you had an influx of 4,000 new donors, and that made up 80% of your total? 4,000 people? Really? That doesn't seem like a lot to me. Seems like it should be more than that at this point. Booker and Harris has been critical of Biden in the run-up to the debates after the former vice president and longtime senator from Delaware recalled his time working alongside segregationist colleagues back in the 1970s with, as they described it, a tone-deaf and overly romantic language. Booker had been more forward in pursuing an explanation and apology from Biden last week, but it was Harris, by chance, because of the pre-debate draw, who was served the opportunity to zero in on his past positions and more recent remarks. Vice President Biden, I do not believe you are a racist, she said Thursday night, immediately silencing the debate stage as the weight of the moment became clear. And I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it's personal, it's personal. It was actually hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their career on the segregation of this country. Because that little girl sorry I'm verklempt. That little girl was me. <laughs> Biden responded forcefully and unapologetically to Harris's challenge. He accused her of mischaracterizing his record on busing and in a quick but sharp jab that channeled the progressive criticism of the former San Francisco District Attorney pointed out that he had chosen to become a public defender early in his career, not like Harris, a prosecutor. I defended these people. How dare you? How... How dare you? Still, Harris emerged from the debate as a consensus winner, having put on a display during a pivotal moment in her campaign all the traits that pundits and colleagues had figured would make her an estimable... 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 Hmm. Estimable... Esteemable. Esteemable? Esteemable. Had a lot of trouble with that word. Candidate. Voters noticed two and backed her during the debate with their pocketbooks, according to the campaign giving individual online donations at 67% above her normal rate. Now, this is a candidate we've not talked about yet. Well, I've said his name because I've had trouble saying his name. But I enjoy saying his name because I can't say his name. Race also featured prominently in South Bend, Indiana, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. 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 
Booty gig. Booty gig. Booty gig. You know, I could make a joke here because he is a homosexual that his name is Booty gig. But I'm not gonna. Anyway, um, his debate strategy, though his goal was different, uh, was to diffuse escalating tensions over the handling of his city's police department. These questions existed from early on in his campaign, but became inescapable after a member of the force responded to reports of car robberies, shot an African-American man allegedly in possession of a knife, killing, set off the protest in South Bend with a... African-American residents and others criticizing Buttigieg's oversight of the city's law enforcement apparatus. That was a very inopportune time for him to be running for president and have a Black Lives Matter slash Antifa slash uh, LBGBTQ uh, slash uh, Black Lives Matter slash uh, LBGBTQ uh, moment in his campaign, in his city, where he's, you know, running for president because he is the mayor of a city. Debate co-moderator Chuck Todd put the question bluntly to Buttigieg on Thursday night, asking why the South Bend police had not, over his time in office, grown more diverse along the city. Yeah, that's true, because I don't remember what the numbers are exactly, but there's more people by percentage in South Bend, Indiana, than of people of color that is minorities there's more people by a percentage in south bend indiana than there is by percentage in the police force in other words it's overwhelmingly white and the number of black or minority police officers in that city is not uh, equitable to the number of black people that are in south bend indiana so that's a problem but I will say this, Buttigieg did say something that I was I was happy with. He said, quote, because I couldn't get it done. He offered contrite tone at a moment where anger and pain in South, member rem- South Bend remain raw. But his admission did little to cut off the criticism from Representative Eric Swalwell, because everybody's heard of him. That's a household name, Eric Swalwell who's also running for Democratic nominee, right, who argued that Buttigieg should have fired the police chief because the officer did not have his body camera turned on at the time of the incident, a breach of policy. Swalwell spent much of his time on stage Thursday picking out opponents for what he hoped would be memorable lines of attack. Mostly, though, they fell flat. He repeatedly said it was time to, quote, pass the torch. A generational argument first directed at Biden. Uh, what? Pass the torch. Sorry, I was sniffing. Uh, and this is what Biden said similarly decades ago. On Thursday night, he brushed back the younger lawmaker as a firm rejoinder. I'm still holding on to that torch, said Biden. So, that's how CNN took the uh, Democratic debates and how Fox News took the Democratic debates. I don't really think there was anything special or wonderful about it. Uh, Kamala Harris got emotional. Joe Biden got indignant. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, 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 old Buttigieg uh, was contrite, and uh, everybody else was trying to get attention. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. Hey, look what I can do. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. And everybody's going, oh my God, would you please just shut up and Bernie. Ah, Medicare for all. Medicare for all. Can't do a good Bernie Sanders. If he wins for presidency, for one thing, you better know who his vice president is because he's in his early hundreds and he may not make it through. So you better better be prepared for that. Okay. That is news versus news today. Presidential candidates on the Democratic side, all 24 of them. I was mistaken. There was 24. Uh, two dozen candidates, two dozen, seven months before the first primary, seven months. We have two dozen candidates and not an area one has dropped out yet. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why that is, is because it's becoming cheaper and cheaper to run a presidential campaign, at least in the early stages, because all you need is a social media presence. And that's easy to do. And a good email list, which is also easy to do. 
and then just drive and drive and drive and stump and stump and stump, which is what they're doing. It's their job, but none of them so far have really impressed me. That's not to say that I'm a Trumper. It's not to say that I endorse President Trump in any shape, form, or fashion. But of all those candidates, if you say one of these people versus Donald Trump, I'm going to 100% vote for Trump every time. If you give me those only those two choices. Of course, I'm going to be happy for the uh, Libertarian candidate. So, anyway, I would say in News versus News today, I'm going to have to give that to CNN. I felt like they were a little more in-depth. They mentioned a few more people, had a few more things to say. Maybe it was just my perception of the whole thing. But, hey... I am the judge, jury, and executioner whenever it comes to news versus news. And today, it's CNN, and they are the champions. They are... Anyway, okay, we're going to have a little update from the Unknown Redneck, and we'll be right back on the other side with some weird Tennessee news. See ya. Hello there, Americans. Do you like getting your murk on? Do you like hearing about news of the day, news of the world, news of the country? Do you like bitching about Nancy Pelosi or listening about Trump? From all that in between, find it all on Kevin's podcast show. It's intricate, informative, and damn it, it's funny. Go Merka. Hey friends, Unknown Redneck here on Kevin's Podcast Show. Just coming at you with a little update on what's going on in my little life. And I'm just going to tell you what, other night, me and Cheryl was sitting around eating dinner and it's just me and her. We just sitting there in the house. We just kind of eating a little bit and not saying a whole lot. She kind of staring at her plate a little bit. And she wasn't saying nothing. And I can't kind of tell. She had a little something on her mind. I said, honey, what's going on? And she said, you know what? Ever since Starla Jean's got married, that little Frenchy fella, and they've moved out, set up their own housekeeping. And Kurt Angle, we've been learning him how to wash clothes and cook a little something beside the hot pocket down there and i'm just gonna tell you right now she said i just don't feel as useful as i used to be and i said honey you useful to me honey i love you like ain't nobody's business and she said i know you love me honey but i just don't feel as useful as i used to be and i said well won't you get you a job and she just kind of stopped for a minute and she said well where would i work and i said i don't know you go down there and make biscuits with starla jane at the at the hardy's and she said, no, nah, I don't think I'll do that. But anyhow, so right now, Cheryl's on a job hunt, honey. She's looking for her a job somewhere where she can work about, I don't know, 10 or 12 hours a week, maybe 20, something like that. Just a little something to occupy herself and give herself a little shot in the arm, so to speak. A little little feel-good kind of thing. And you know what would be good about that? We'd have a little extra money. We'd be able to do a little extra thing every once in a while. I think that'd be a good idea. But anyhow, so Cheryl's looking for a job, honey. If you've got any ideas where she might be working... Just send us a little email there. I reckon that's on the internet, sir. Kevin knows how to get in touch with me. You can send him an email or send me an email or ever have that email. I don't know how that email works, but now Cheryl's able to read them, and she'll be able to tell me what's going on, and we'll just be able to find her a job. So if you got an ID wherever Cheryl needs to get her a job, honey, you just send it to us, and we'll figure it out. Well, that's a little update from the Unknown Redneck, and honey, you know where I am. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever wondered what it's like to be a paramedic or an emergency medical technician or what they bitch about on a daily basis? Well, I've got just the show for you. It's the Shift Ender Podcast with my buddy Drew McSalty and his cohort, Morton Salt. They are some salty medics and EMTs. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you want to know what it's like, check them out. Shift Ender Podcast. Weird Tennessee. Dateline, Knoxville, Tennessee. The Knox County District Attorney's Office says it's, quote, reviewing all pending cases involving a Knox County Sheriff's deputy who made anti-LGBT sermons to scrutinize them for any potential bias. An assistant district attorney has been assigned to receive complaints regarding the closed cases of the Knox County deputy, Charmaine Allen, said in a statement late Wednesday night. Knox County Sheriff Tom Spangler says the deputy, who recently delivered a sermon, who evidently the deputy is also a preacher, calling for police officers and government to kill homosexuals is no longer on active duty. 
Spangler says that Detective Grayson Fritz took part in a workforce reduction buyout program two weeks ago. Spangler says Fritz is on paid sick leave until the workforce reduction takes effect on July the 19th. I want to be very clear that it is my responsibility to ensure equal protection to all citizens of Knox County, Tennessee, under the law. My oath and the United States Constitution without discrimination or hesitation. Rest assured that I have and will continue to do so, Spangler said, because he had to. In a statement, I had part of that. Fritz who is a preacher, evidently, of a small church, recently delivered two sermons condemning homosexuality at All Scripture Baptist Church in Knoxville, where he is the, currently the pastor. In his June the 2nd sermon, called Why Leviticus 2013 Should Still Be in Force, he called on the government and police to enforce the death penalty for homosexuals. God has instilled the power of civil government to send the police in 2019 out to LGBT freaks and arrest them and have a trial for them. And if they're convicted, they're to be put to death, Fritz said in the sermon, which is posted on YouTube. It is a capital crime that should be carried out by our government. In the following week's sermon, Fritz also called out LGBT community saying they are deserving of hatred from church members and that HIV and AIDS are their reward for engaging in this type of behavior. As a Baptist, I'm offended by this. And he's a piece of shit. The Knox County District Attorney's Office says it was looking into Fritz. We're looking into to it and we'll respond accordingly, said the District Attorney. Everybody has to come out with a statement saying how just and fair and non-biased they are. Yada, yada. Later Wednesday night, Allen released another statement affirming further action. I find this speech personally offensive and reprehensible. As a district attorney, my constitutional obligation is to protect the integrity of the justice system. When my potential witnesses, a criminal proceeding, expresses an opinion of hatred and or bias toward a class of citizens, I am ethically bound to explore the witnesses' credibility. Uh, accordingly, I, have review I am reviewing all pending cases involving Detective Fritz to scrutinize them for any potential bias, although my office has never received a complaint regarding Mr. Fritz prior to this incident. So... He's taking a buyout, an early buyout, evidently. Let's go back up to the top of the article for just a minute. Let's examine this. And this is this is important. I mean, normally I talk about weird Tennessee news and I just kind of gloss over it, but this this is important right now. For I just want to say right now that this guy said that Detective Grayson Fritz took part in a workforce reduction buyout program two weeks ago. This article came out on June the 12th, so two weeks before would have put this in May. And he put the sermon out on June the 2nd. So about three or four days after he took a buyout, he put this sermon on, on the internet. Which means that he wasn't going to put that out while he was still a, a, a deputy or an active deputy. Fritz delivered another sermon Wednesday night as planned, saying, This whole homosexual agenda is not my platform. I think they're vile. I think they're wicked. I don't even want to think about them. My goal is to save, to preach, to educate. In his nearly hour-long sermon, Fritz said to a 16-member congregation in attendance, I'm just saying one of the laws of the United States should be to put homos to death. Really. Speaking to the media before the sermon, Fritz and he said his anti-LGBT beliefs did not and have not interfered with his work at the Knox County Sheriff's Department. Because I'm employed by the sheriff's office, then if they came into the sheriff's office, obviously they're allowed in. You understand what I'm saying? I'm over this. I am the head of the church. I say who comes and goes. These people are not permitted to join. These people are not permitted to attend. Actually, God's the one supposed to do that, not you. Just because you're the pastor doesn't make you the head dick in charge, although you are a dick. The LGBT community reacts, I am in awe and shock. He shouldn't be in awe and shock. Sterling Field, the Tennessee Equality Project Chair for Anderson, Blunt, and Knox Counties, Field said knowing speech like that used in the sermon within the community has dangerous impacts. Not really. 16 people. Come on. This is where my friends are, where my community is. There's someone talking about executing my friends and family. Listen, 
there are more than 17 people, 16 people in the con- congregation, and, and the preacher makes 17 people. There are way more than 17 people in Knox County, Tennessee, that are, are have hatred in their heart for, name the group. It doesn't matter what the group is. My point being is that this is a very small group of people, and, and for all these people to be crazy offended is, I don't know, just a little strange. I, I think you're giving a lot more attention to this guy. I'm giving it to him too, obviously, but I just think that it's it's crazy. This is weird, so it's in weird Tennessee. An anonymous community member left a note outside the church addressed to Fritz. It said, I don't know what happened to you, but I am sorry. Love thy neighbor. The Southern Baptist Convention confirms all Scripture Baptist Church is not and has never been part of the convention calling it an independent church. I don't know why it is that everybody automatically assumes that because that that you're a church that's Baptist and you're in the South, automatically you're part of the Southern Baptist Convention, which is BS. That's not how churches work at all. Almost all churches are not part of the Southern Baptist Convention. The Southern Baptist Convention's power and activity has, uh, well, it's passed. It's it's it has crested and is now receding, in my opinion. So this guy, Pastor Grayson Fritz, filed this uh, early buyout thing from the sheriff's department. So obviously he's about to retire. He's taking all of his sick days and everything. He's going to get paid all the way up through July the 19th, and he's going to go away. That's going to be the end of it. And, you know, I will say that the prosecutor really probably has a has a good idea about reviewing all these cases, just to check. I mean, the man's obviously a admitted bigot piece of shit, so why not check his stuff out? Now, if his bias doesn't uh, have anything to do with any of these cases, then that's fine, but, you know, some lawyer's going to come up with that. He's he's gonna he's gonna argue that, and I don't blame him. Why not? That's the idea. But anyway, that's a little weird Tennessee news, and it is definitely weird. So we've got a, a Knox County deputy who has um, evidently got a little side job as a preacher in a little bitty church, and I say little bitty. I'm talking about 16 people in his congregation, and he hates gay people. So there you go. Surprisingly. No alcohol involved in this story. Weird Tennessee. Yo, bro, it's time for the word of the day. Listen up and learn a little something. Yeah. Our word of the day is snatched. Snatched. Spelling is S-N-A-T-C-H-E-D. Snatched. A popular term in the gay community referring to good looks, fierceness, or something good. That wig is snatched, honey. Is it real or synthetic? 2. Snatched. Used to take the place of on fleek, perfect, on point, or fashionable. Girl, your outfit is snatched, your makeup is snatched, honey. Just saying, I'm hating because you are always snatched. 3. Snatched. To slay someone so hard their weave flies off into the distance. Oh my god, Beyonce had me snatched with her pregnancy announcement and her Grammy's performance. Number 4. Snatched. On point. You are looking snatched today, girl. That's what I'm saying. I Brought to you by the Urban Dictionary. And that was the word of the day. Macabre, creepy, weird, Derek's Heretics Podcast, available everywhere podcasts can be found. All right, friends, that brings us once again to the end of another episode of Kevin's Podcast Show. This is Season 3, Episode 4. I think that's what it is anyway. I'm not bothered to really keep up with it, but I just want to say I really do appreciate the phenomenal growth that's been going on with Kevin's Podcast Show. It really helps when you share. 
Share with your friends. Share with your neighbors. Spread the good word around the world and let them know how wonderful Kevin's podcast show is. Go on to iTunes. Give us a rating over there. Just as a quick aside, I know I've mentioned this in the last couple episodes, but I want to go ahead and mention it again because most of the people who listen to this podcast listen to it through their iPhone and iTunes. iTunes will be going away soon. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. It's okay. They're just going to break it up, and it's going to be Apple Music, Apple TV, and Apple Podcasts. You already have Apple Podcast app. It's not. That's not going to change. I'm not sure exactly how the... Um, rating of the program and everything how that's going to convert over but basically you're still going to be able to use the same app that you're using now to listen to the program and that's a wonderful good thing because i don't want to get everybody all confused now that you've gotten started and gotten used to listen to this wonderful podcast of mine but anyway i thank all the dozens and dozens of the kps faithful out there i appreciate it i really do And we've been growing. We've been growing by leaps and bounds. And don't forget that you can get us on many, many different podcast apps out there. You don't have to listen to just iTunes. That's not the only game in town, if you will. As you know, I do my podcast through Anchor. Anchor is an easy way to get your podcast started. If you'd like to start a podcast, hey, you listen to me, I'll listen to you. That's the way that works, folks. And they also partner with Spotify. So you can get this podcast and many other podcasts through Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket, uh, Podcast App, Podbean, uh, Bullhorn. Bullhorn's a really good one. It's come on here lately. If you're worried about using your data on your phone, and I understand that. A lot of people don't want to use their data while they're driving down the road, and I get it. You go to Bullhorn, you can actually call a number and listen to podcasts. You can listen to Kevin's podcast show on Bullhorn by calling somebody up. And as you know, whenever you call somebody, you don't use your data and you have unlimited calling. So, hey, call us up and listen to it that way. You don't use your data and you can watch, uh, you know, Gilligan's Island rerun on uh, Netflix. So I listened to all these different ones. I've listened to all of them, see if there's any difference in the quality or anything. I've not noticed any. But the other one that I listened through is Podcoin. The cool thing about PodCoin is, is that you can earn little coins. That's well, that's why it's called PodCoin. You can earn little coins, and then you save up enough, and you can get yourself a little discount, a uh, little little gift card to places like Dunkin' Donuts and and uh, Amazon and different places like that. And all you're doing is listening to podcasts. You're already listening to podcasts anyway, so why not? So you could get yourself a little rewards card to Amazon, to Dunkin' Donuts, to Starbucks, to uh, AMC Movies, to on Google Play. You can even get Target gift certificates. And hey, if you don't really are con- you're not really concerned about getting a few dollars off at those places then you can be all wonderful and things like that and you can give to different causes you can give to end world hunger you can fight global warming you can save the rainforest you can feed rescue animals you can fight childhood cancer you can end child abuse books for poor children clean water save the homeless and aids i mean there's all kinds of things you could do if you're feeling benevolent, or you could be greedy, like I am, and get yourself a little rewards card for some Dunkin' Donuts coffee, whichever one you want to do. And now, listeners of my podcast, you guys, the KPS faithful, the dozens and dozens out there, you can get a bonus right now if you listen through PodCoin. Use the promo code KEVIN in your PodCoin app and get yourself 300 extra pod coins right off the bat so that's a good little thing for my listeners exclusively on kevin's podcast show use the promo code kevin but that's through PodCoin. that's a good app to have i, I really i highly recommend that you use any of these apps any one of these is, is they're all free and that's the wonderful thing about podcast folks and you know that because you're listening to podcast right now why are you listening to a podcast you're listening to it because you're tired of listening to an endless line of hey come on down here billy job we're gonna see you big old truck just come on down here you're tired of hearing those commercials fifteen thousand times an hour and you know they step on all kinds of the information they step on the music they step on all kinds of things because they have to sell 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 And the good thing about podcast is is I don't have to sell, 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 sell. I put a few ads in on my podcast, and that's how things get paid for, but that's okay. 
We try to sequence it in with everything else and make it sound good and make it entertaining and not have to be something that is tedious and, and awful to listen to. So with that said, I'll say this. I, I encourage everybody to go and give me a rating, uh, give me a thumbs up, give me a whatever on on iTunes. If you don't like the show, hey, uh, drop me a line. I'm at Kevin's Podcast Show at gmail.com you can send me an email there you can get on the anchor app and leave me a voicemail you can do that you can go on to my facebook page kevin's podcast show you can uh, leave me a message there you can go on to twitter at podcast kevin i tweet quite a bit you can go on there you can uh, leave me a message hey if you don't like it tell me about it and i'll either say f you or try to fix it one or the other so you know it's kind of yin yang you know Black or white, one or the other. I'm not really into a gray area. But anyhow, that's the end of the podcast, folks. And uh, we'll be coming down, I guess maybe we'll be trying to do another one next week before the 4th of July. Uh, I'm not sure how my work schedule's coming out like that. But we'll try to get another one out. Anyway, I'd say until next time, folks, don't forget to spread the good news, tell everybody about Kevin's podcast show, and until next time, it is deuces and duck lips. I can't see in this fucking thing. I can't breathe in this fucking thing, and I can't ride in this fucking thing. Well, fuck all y'all. I'm going home. You know, I watched my wife work all day, get 30 bags together for you ungrateful sons of bitches, and all I can hear is criticize, criticize, criticize. From now on, don't ask me your mind for nothing.